0: Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 16. Hear the word of the Lord. One day as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination, brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, these men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days. But Paul, very much annoyed, (laughs) turned and said to the spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. When they brought them before the magistrates, they said, these men are disturbing our city, they are Jews. They're advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt. The crowd joined in attacking them. The magistrates had them stripped of their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they'd given them a severe flogging, they threw them into the prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell, fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. The Word of the Lord. Holy God, we've gathered here again to hear your word. Pray that the same spirit who inspired Luke's telling of this story would now inspire our hearing of it, that we might be transformed by your word, closer into the image of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. As we continue to follow our missionaries through the Book of Acts, recall that last week we noticed they had received this vision. Actually, the vision came to Paul in a dream, to go to Macedonia the first time the gospel enters Europe. So Paul travels there with Silas and Timothy, and soon Luke, and um, the first place they settle down is Philippi. It was their first place of ministry in Europe. You will also have many first places of ministry. It may be the first time that you work for a nonprofit organization Or it may be your first church plant. Or your service to First Methodist Church, or First Baptist Church, or First Presbyterian Church. And at first, things are going to go great at first. (sighs) But then you get to like chapter 16. (laughs) and Things kind of take a turn. Things went very well at first in Philippi. Lydia, remember, was converted, and her household, and she gives the missionaries a place to stay, and it looked like the church was going to go up, uh, up, up, up. Things were going to just keep getting better. But then one day, as the missionaries were going back to their place of prayer, we're told a slave girl began to chase behind them, and she was a woman who was possessed by a demon So she kept calling out, these men are slaves of the most high God. They've come to show you the way to salvation. Now it's interesting that that's actually right. Um, They were slaves of the most high God. They'd given their lives to that God. They did come to talk about the means of salvation. Even the demonic knows the ways of salvation, which is why all the opposition starts. This goes on for days, eventually it gets irritating to Paul, and you caught it when I read the text. Being annoyed, Paul then cast the demon out of the girl. It doesn't say that he was filled with compassion for this young woman. He, <laughs> she was just on his nerves, and so he had to heal her. <laughs> Sometimes in ministry you do the right thing because you're full of compassion and sometimes it's because you're annoyed. It doesn't really matter, as long as you do the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> the Problem is that the slave girl, um, because she was demon-possessed, was able to tell fortunes, and some men in the city were exploiting her, making money off of her by telling fortunes. Once she lost the demon, she lost the ability to tell fortunes. So these men drag Paul and Silas before the magistrates, and they say that these men are disturbing the city, their ways are not our ways, and by the way, they're Jews. So Paul and Silas are beaten and thrown deep into jail. Now think about how many things are wrong here in this situation. We've got men exploiting a young girl. We've got anti-Semitism. Paul and Silas, as the text makes really clear later on, are Roman citizens, and they can't be treated like this as Roman citizens. So it's it's illegal. And we're dealing with a demon. Uh, So there are so many layers of things that Paul and Silas have walked into in their ministry in Philippi in the 16th chapter. Now, if I was Silas with my feet in stocks next to Paul in jail, I would have been wondering about this vision he had to come to Macedonia. (laughs) You have a calling. The calling may again be to some type of new ministry, maybe to nonprofit work. It's gonna get difficult. And then you're gonna ask yourself questions about this calling. You're gonna say, was I really called to Macedonia? Maybe the Lord meant Bermuda. I think, you know, they sound a lot alike, uh, so. But that's not what happens in the text. We get no sense at all of them questioning their calling just because it's gotten about as hard as it could possibly get. Instead, what they do is they pray and they sing at midnight, and the other prisoners are having to listen to them. Now, is that just because these guys are relentless evangelists, and they're gonna take any opportunity to proclaim the gospel, at least in prison, they can't even run away. People have to listen. (laughs) Or is there something deeper at work here? Is it quite possible that they were singing as an affirmation of faith? What did they sing? You know, since they're Jewish, uh, my hunch is that they were singing psalms. They sing Psalm 129. Often they have attacked me since my youth, let Israel say. Often they have attacked me since my youth. But the Lord is righteous and has broken the cords of of the wicked. Songs of protest as an affirmation of the freedom of their souls. In his autobiography, Nelson Mandela has written that when he was in prison, he discovered that the guards hated it when the prisoners sang, because it meant their souls were still free. It was the only means of protest they had been given. Week after week after week, we live in a society that knows injustice, just as the injustice that's rampant in this situation. Racism and sexism. Violence. 150 Christian students in Kenya slaughtered last week. Every morning when I go to pick up the paper, I'm terrified to open it to see what other great act of injustice will occur. But then we join Christians around the world, we gather in places of worship, we pull out hymn books, and we sing our protest against the injustice. That's an act of faith. Or maybe they sang Psalm 130. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits more than the watchman for the morning. More than the watchman for the morning. Spectacular psalm of hope. That's 130. 129 is a psalm of protest. They live right next to each other. Our protest against injustice and our hope. Especially on this season, the day after Easter, we've seen Christ is alive. We've seen Christ is alive as a protest against the injustice. We've seen Christ is alive as a sign of hope that this Messiah is not nearly done. Jesus is on the loose. There's no telling where he might show up again, what wonderful thing he might accomplish. We protest and we hope it's in us. We can't not do that. The great preacher Gardner Taylor, who taught here at our seminary, died yesterday. Leave it to Dr. Taylor to have the poetry to die on Easter. There's so many wonderful stories and anecdotes about Dr. Taylor's preaching in Brooklyn. I just read a book on him. um, And my favorite story is that one time while he was preaching, the lights went out at the Concord Baptist Church. And some of the ushers were running around the back trying to figure out how to get lights on in the church. And one of the ushers said a little too loudly, does anybody have a light? And that's all Dr. Taylor needed to finish his sermon. As he said, I have the light. We are all here because we have the light. The world is really dark out there, but we have the light. This kind of improvisational preaching is, it takes a while to get to this, I think. I hope I'm not there. (laughs) But this amazing ability to proclaim, we have the light. And so then we complete worship. We put the hymn books away. We go out and we work as witnesses for the light. After we sing our protest against the darkness and our hope of the risen Christ. and Then as they sang their protest and they sang their hope, the earth began to heave and the prison doors were opened. And when the story is over, Paul and Silas go home with their jailer, and he is baptized and his household. And that's the way the gospel works. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.